Hey Central, thanks for joining me for another weekly update. I'm just going to breeze through a few things that are going on just in case you weren't aware. Our youth ministry are still connecting online quite a bit. They're doing Netflix watch parties, some Instagram live stuff, uh, Instagram takeovers. I don't know. Is that the same thing? I don't even know. Um, Life groups are meeting virtually with with uh, youth. That's all going on. We've got a baptism and ministry partnership class coming up this Saturday. It's your last chance to register. It's on May 2nd. You can register through the app or on our website. It's our first ever Zoom baptism ministry partnership class. We've got a lot of people registered. should be fun. Uh, life groups are going on for adults as well, and you can join one now. We have them meeting virtually, and uh, if you are feeling lonely, isolated, disconnected, we just invite you. Uh, hop on the website or the app and indicate that you would like to join a life group, and we will get you connected. Our Help in Time of Need initiative is uh, a way in which you can reach out for help or people in your life um, that you know who, who need some assistance can uh, reach out. Um, through our Help in Time of Need initiative. And also, if you want to avail yourself to help, you can do that. Every Sunday, you can join us online for our weekend services. They become available at 9 a.m. every Sunday morning, and you can go and watch it when you get the opportunity to do so. And we also have kids' services built every weekend uh, online, a three to six-year-old's version and a seven to 11-year-old's version. Again, the best way to connect with those is through our app, our website, and uh, would love for you to do that. More about this uh, coming up in the next couple weeks, but just wanted you to be aware we're launching Secret Church, uh, a ministry of David Platt in mid-May. It's really amazing theological training that uh, we can all do online and then join up uh, for some virtual dialogues um, as the modules come to a close. So we can't wait for that. More info to come, but just wanted you to be aware. Secret Church is on its way. Now, self-isolating has been going on long enough now that it's it's really starting to press us in a number of ways, right? A great deal of our outlets for relieving stress are gone, right? An evening out with friends, not possible. Going to the gym, hanging out in a coffee shop, getting a babysitter. You can't do these things. If you've lost your job, things may be starting to get tight financially for you right now. If you're cooped up with your family or roommates, uh, tensions could be growing by now. Uh, loneliness is really setting in for those living alone or all those social extroverts out there whose tanks aren't being filled by the couple people you're allowed to see. You need a crowd and that's just not happening. That's not me, but that's some of you. You're really feeling that at this point. All of this puts pressure on relationships and is a challenge for fighting sin, which would really be the ch finding cheap outlets uh, for the pressures that you're feeling in your life. <clears throat> and there's evidence about this. Streaming porn is up over 11% during this time of, of isolation, which, to be honest, is a staggering stat because the porn industry was already unfathomable, unfathomably massive. I saw a stat today that says alcohol consumption is up 26%. The pubs are closed, but alcohol consumption is up 
Uh, because kids aren't going to school and households are staying relatively closed off, we can't know for sure how much domestic violence has increased. But we can only imagine how awful it must be for those in troubled homes who aren't able to escape those bad situations as much as they would if school was still on or people were all still going to work. See, whether you're an essential worker and working tirelessly or you've lost your job or you're working from home or new to homeschooling your kids, all of those circumstances will add or exaggerate pressure in your marriage that already existed. Right? I, I'm feeling that in, in my life. Emily and I are feeling that for ourselves. It's just, it's, it's putting more pressure on things. So, so I want us to look at the Bible to remind us what our marriages are and how we might weather the storm or better grow and thrive in this season. In many ways, I think we've lost the meaning of marriage. We need to understand the grand design of marriage. So like a good sermon, I've got three points to make about marriage from scripture. I hope they're timely for you. Here's the first. Marriage is designed by God. Marriage is God's idea. The Bible begins in Genesis with a wedding, the wedding of Adam and Eve, and ends in Revelation with a wedding, the wedding of Jesus and the church. And so because God made marriage, what the Bible tells us about God's design for marriage is critical. Marriage is God's doing because it's something that we see right at the beginning in Genesis, that it's a one flesh union that God performs. And Jesus confirms this in Mark 10. He says, the two shall become one flesh, quoting Genesis 1. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And then Jesus goes on to say, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So God joins husband and wife together in a one flesh union. We're more cavalier about it, but Jesus confirms that that's what God is doing. So marriage is God's doing, and that is the foundation of marriage that we should see in the Bible. The second element that we see is, is that marriage is a covenant. And, and the, probably the best way for us to understand that covenant language in a simple way is just to um, compare and contrast it with a consumer relationship. See, consumers, we've always had consumer relationships and, and we're well aware of the consumer relationship. A consumer relationship lasts as long as it's the best product at the best price. And if that ends, you're not obligated to stay in the relationship. In a consumer relationship, the individual's needs are typically placed above the relationship. Covenantal relationships, on the other hand, are binding, meaning that the relationship takes precedence over the immediate needs of the individual. And we understand this still to a certain degree. The parent-child relationship is still seen as a covenant relationship in our society. It happens. There are parents who abandon their children, but as a society, we look at that and say that's wrong. Yet, marriage has moved in our culture, in our day and age, from a covenant relationship societally to a consumer relationship. Marriage used to be about us, but now it's about me. We've made it all about our own self-fulfillment needs. In our consumer-driven culture, relationships that have historically been covenantal are turning into consumer relationships, including marriage. 
So it's not until there's covenant. See, you're in a consumer relationship, constantly putting your, your best foot forward. And that's this shaky ground to be in. It's not until it's covenant that that changes. But giving ourselves to God's covenant in marriage is actually what can bring greater intimacy in marriage because we're not constantly worried about presenting well or giving up on, on presenting well. We feel safe and secure enough in the covenant relationship to be ourselves, to be transparent, to be vulnerable, and to be loved for it. That's intimacy. And it's the covenant of marriage that allows that. We see God keep his covenant to us in the Bible, though we are the ones that broke our end of the agreement. We rebelled against God, and yet he pursued us with his love. So we see God keep his covenant to us, though we're the ones that broke our end of the agreement. And God nonetheless put himself on the line. Jesus' body was broken on the cross for us. God kept the covenant even when we didn't. Third, marriage puts the gospel on display. We've all heard the phrase, the honeymoon's over. It's a, it's a familiar phrase and, and has been for a long time. And it, it's sort of inescapable. The honeymoon, the honeymoon phase inevitably ends at some point. You know, when Emily and I were first married, my wife and I, you know, we'd be sitting on the couch and she'd say, oh, could you grab my water? And be like, yes, yeah, I'd love to grab your water and hopped up with a smile and brought her her water. And I'd sit down and she'd be like, oh, could you grab me my phone? Yes, I'd love to grab you your phone. And off I would go and get her phone. I'd sit down and she'd be like, oh, I need the charger. Hey, let me grab that for you. Not a problem, right? We're, we're 12 years into marriage now. And she's like, hey, could you grab me a water? And, and, and sometimes I'll just pretend like I didn't hear, you know? <laughs> Anyway, the honeymoon ends at a certain point, it, it, you know. Anyways, Ernest Becker uh, had a name for this expectation many people put on their partner. And that's to fill the space that only God can fill. His, his name for it was apocalyptic romance. And, and this is pretty fascinating because I think it's so spot on for so many in their relationships. It's, it's looking to sex and romance for meaning, hope, and self-identity which can and only should come from faith in God. It's supernatural, sacred, divine void that, that, that everybody feels and expecting it from our partners that they would fill it. And, and no one can hold under that weight, as, as Timothy Keller put it in, in The Meaning of Marriage. No one can hold under that weight except Jesus. See, it's only when we understand the meaning of marriage rightly that we're properly equipped in our marriages. This, this, this concept in the gospel that you are so loved fully and completely by Jesus that your marriage won't fall apart when your spouse lets you down. You don't need to receive ultimate fulfillment from your spouse because you've already found it rightly and completely in Jesus. So rather than placing our, our spouses under a crushing weight of giving you the divine in your life, you find that ultimate fulfillment and Jesus, in Jesus from Jesus, which frees you and your spouse to actually have a healthy, realistic relationship. Ephesians 5, these, these verses in Ephesians 5 are actually what are tattooed on, on my wife and I's, our forearms. 
if you've ever wondered what my tattoo says, it says Ephesians 5, verses 31 to 33, and here's what they say. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Thousands of years before Jesus came, God created marriage between a man and a woman to be a visible picture to the world of an even greater union to come, Jesus and his people. So thousands of years before Jesus came, God made marriage between husbands and wives to be a picture of Christ and the church. Jesus left his father in heaven to hold fast to his wife, the church. He put his life on the line. He made a covenant with his blood so that as unlovely and unlovable as she was, she could become lovely and lovable because of his committed sacrificial love. Meaning your marriage is about so much more than you and your spouse. It's meant to image the gospel. We could put it that way. It's a picture of Christ and the church. So this section of Ephesians 5 goes on to describe the call for Christ-like sacrificial leadership of the husband and Christ-like submission of the wife. It's this tightrope of trust, vulnerability, and intimacy that when pursued and applied makes your marriage a compelling picture of the gospel to the watching world. The gospel explains our marriages and our marriages explain the gospel. And God always intended it that way from the very beginning. So that's this big theological picture about marriage that the Bible is painting. So let's bring it down into our challenging circumstances right now. Now, you know, as parents, some of you parents recognize this, that that you can spend years um, with your child Um, years pouring out acts of love to your child while getting very little back in return, perhaps in certain phases of their upbringing. Maybe the odd, unprompted, I love you or, or, or initiated hug, right? The teenage years are are coming up pretty quick here for the Chance household. And I'm, I'm terrified about it, but, but maybe that's also the scenario you're experiencing with your spouse they're unloving to you or you're unloving to them or both or you're growing distant now this is the pattern that leads many couples to divorce but here's how we apply what we've been learning in the bible about marriage the only way you can give a great amount of love to your spouse while getting very little back is if you're getting a great amount of love from somewhere else For the Christian, that somewhere else, that love that is unshakable comes from Jesus. That's how you can get through those hard periods of time in your marriage of which right now may be one. See, on the cross, as as we were despising and rejecting Jesus, he stayed. That's covenant love and that's the heart of the gospel. There has been no greater act of love than that. When your marriage is in a hard season and you feel like you're being rejected, you can look to Jesus who was despised and rejected on the cross and stayed. And the beauty is that you pursue, is that as you pursue Jesus and aim to honor Jesus and image Jesus in your life and marriage, he meets you there. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord 
See, here's the thing about your marriage. It refers to Christ and the church. Peter Kreeft said, all of history is a kind of broken marriage and God puts it back together again. If you're feeling hopeless in marriage or in your life, there is hope for you. And that hope, no matter what the circumstance, is found in Jesus. Look to Jesus in your marriage. Look to Jesus in whatever hardships you may be experiencing. And I just want you to know the pastors and elders and and prayer team of Central are praying for your marriages in these days. And we're available to walk with you if you're going through deep and troubled waters right now. Central, I invite you to display the gospel in your marriages and look to Jesus for help and strength to do so. And I'll talk to you next week.